0: I am. I am. swinging from a seventh story window, throwing parties in a ten by seven cell. It's astounding the. Land. I sailed a good ship
1: All right, put down your pens, put down your pencils, step away from the keyboards, and settle in for this week's episode of The Writer's Block. First and foremost, allow me to thank Low Tide Cava Bar for the cava that I drink on pretty much every one of my episodes. Also, let me thank Muddy Waters Media for allowing me to do this show, and Don and Sally Wright, thank you for giving birth to me. The rest of the world definitely appreciates it. Um, Remember you can follow this show and all the others from Muddied Waters Media at Facebook.com slash muddied waters of freedom on Instagram for all the good laughs at Muddied Waters of Freedom or on Twitter at Muddied underscore water. You can also find us on YouTube and you can follow this and everything else every day, all day at freedomcom I would like to welcome on. A very dear friend of mine, somebody I'm very excited to have on the show, somebody who I have known for quite some time at this point, um, Miss Ayla Brown. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ayla.
2: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
1: Now, I just, okay, so I want to give the viewers a quick um, history of how we met. <laughs> okay,
2: uh, I'm, I'm really excited to hear your your story of how we met. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> I was telling somebody this last night, and they were like, "That's really fun. That's really awesome, but also really sad." And I was like, "I know." Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't going to say anything, but you're,
2: you're about to tell tell the, the story.
1: So you were uh, singing the national anthem at the Predators game. Yes. And this, I live
2: in Nashville because you live I in been Nashville here for almost nine years, right. and for like two full seasons, they did this rotating schedule of, like, three or four anthem singers. And for whatever reason, I was one of, like, the three or four that they kept rotating. So I did a ton of games that year. Yeah. And do you want to continue the story then? Oh, it was just
1: so much fun. Yes. So it was about halfway through the season, a little bit over halfway through the season. I will never forget the date. It was February 14th. It was Valentine's Day, day for, for some people, <laughs> <laughs> and I got a phone call that day. I think I was out drinking with a buddy of mine, and I got a phone call, and he, he goes, and it was from uh, Adam Hernandez, Tico, and he goes, "Hey, man, uh, one of my friends really needs uh, help," and I said, "Oh, what's up?" And he, goes, he, he she just needs somebody to like sell merch. Uh, you get to go watch the Preds game. And then in the off, during the off, like during the in-between periods, you need to go and do that, uh, help her sell merch. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. He goes, good. I was trying to find somebody that would do it. And I was like, who's not going to be busy on Valentine's Day? Oh, Matt. That's so
2: sad. (laughs) But but here's the thing. I obviously uh, was not really busy either. I mean, in a way, it's not like I was on a date, I was working. You had a job, so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this awesome guy, Matt, he came and helped sell CDs uh, for me and with me. And I mean, talk about being an independent artist. I mean, literally, you and I were like passing out little, not stickers, but like pieces of paper. I remember that just, like, had my information on it. So anyone walking by in Nashville, they would be like, oh, you're the one who sang the anthem? Cool, I guess I'll take your little piece of paper and maybe remember your name, but, like... You know, as an independent artist, we will do literally anything possible to get name recognition. And uh, that was one of the, the many tricks up my sleeve that I had that year. Yeah, that Thanks was you. you helped me.
1: I did. Yeah. No, that was, I mean, and it was like, I, I ended up doing it for you a couple more times after that.
2: Yeah. And we had some fun. We went to some concert.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. It
2: was, what was, uh, it was uh, we went to
1: go see the Adam. Man, that's the Adam Ezra group.
2: That's right. Yeah. My good friends from Massachusetts, from Boston, Adam is uh, a really great touring, folky, fun musician. And yeah, he was coming through Nashville. I remember that.
1: Yeah, we uh, I, rem- I remember going to that um, and he started playing. Oh, what is the name of that song? Uh, wagon Wheel. Wagon Wheel. Yeah, he started playing Wagon Wheel, and I, it was like the only song of his I knew, because it wasn't his song. The
2: same here, and the, the funny thing is, in my, the back of my mind, I'm like, wow, this is a great song that he wrote. This is so catchy. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is a cover song. You know, that was like one of the first times I'd really heard Wagon Wheel. I mean, fast forward four years and it's like the most overplayed song in Nashville, but like in the
1: world. And I mean, yeah, it's a great song. It's a great, it is a great song. I still love that song. And anytime I hear that song today, I don't care if it's at like drunken karaoke, which obviously, you know, I don't drink anymore, but like if I'm at karaoke and somebody starts singing Wagon Wheel or if I'm at a bar and either version plays, I still yell the Cumberland Gap. Like,
2: well that's nice most people are yelling the entire song right so
1: i only yell the cumberland gap part because that's what it seemed like we did in nashville it was just like that's awesome. you yelled that one part because it was like yeah that's us
2: yep so that's the story of how we met and yep. thank you for having me on your podcast i am so I'm happy excited to, have to just have your viewers kind of get to know me and and vice versa and talk about Life, love, pursuit of happiness, music, whatever you want to talk about. I'm, I'm really excited
1: to love that you threw share in the, my story with
2: you guys.
1: Love that you threw in the Thomas Jefferson. Love that. <laughs> so you've actually had one of the coolest journeys that I, that I know of. You were on a very, very well-known television show at a very young age, which is actually the first place I ever saw you anywhere but I didn't know it was you even when I met you years later I didn't know that you were on American Idol
2: yes when I was 17 um, and that was back in 2006 which means that it was the only television show on TV and it was the only interactive show that I can remember where you and your family would sit down and you would actually get out your phones and like call and vote you know it was Really homegrown. It was really just the American dream for us as musicians. But it was a one way for families to kind of get together two or three times a week and like really get behind the people that they love. Now it's so saturated with shows like this, it's almost not funny. Right. But back in the day, yeah, we were like the most watched season on Idol, which was season five. That was the one I was on. We had Chris Daughtry, Kelly Pickler, Catherine McPhee, Taylor Hicks won. Yep. But the coolest part is that we had the original judges. So I got to perform in front of Simon and Randy and Paula, who, you know, obviously aren't on the show anymore. It's changed so many times since. Is, but it,
1: I don't even know if that show's still on the air. <laughs>
2: Yeah. The thing is, is that it is It's weird because they like reset. And now last season was season one of American Idol. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's like season 16. What what are you talking about? But because it's on a new network and not on Fox anymore, they they like restarted it. And so I feel like very disconnected from the show at this point. I'm 30 years old now. So you do the math. It's been a while since I've been on the show.
1: But you're, you're, you're still fun. younger than me, so it's fine.
2: That's
1: true. That's actually the only hint that anybody has ever gotten to my age. So,
2: Well, we won't ask because you're not supposed to ask, I guess. That's but, true. you know, these days all is fair game. But, yeah, I was on the show, loved it, was on stage for the first time singing. Um, but the kicker, and I'm sure you're about to talk about this too, was that I had a basketball scholarship to play basketball at Boston College in the ACC. Um I verbally committed to Boston College at the age of 15, so I was really young. And so trying out for American Idol was something that my mom encouraged me to do my senior year of high school, just because she knew I loved to sing. And little did we know that like, I would be on the show and people would be voting for me and all this stuff. So when I got eliminated from the show, I went to college and played four years of awesome basketball, which was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a good time. I majored in communications and got a degree. My parents were happy about that. And then when I graduated, I'm like, I got to do this music thing again. I am moving down to Nashville, and I'm going to start writing songs and putting out my own albums and that. That's kind of where the journey started, and it hasn't ended. But there's a whole lot of stuff in between that I'm really proud about too.
1: Oh yeah, no. Um, so, you, like, like you said, you played at Boston College, uh, which I'm an ACC guy. Uh, my favorite, like, I grew up near UVA, but my favorite team is Duke. Um, yeah,
2: that was my favorite growing up too. That's so funny you really? said that. When JJ Reddick was on the team, I was uh, like, mm, I think I like duke (laughs) and i was in like seventh grade i didn't even like know you know but i just yeah but
1: but it was jj reddick i get it like three-point champion right there and yeah in in the ncaa he
2: was just really good looking so that was i mean i just had a crush on jj i still have a crush on jj reddick i mean he might be my celeb crush right no i get that you
1: know i heard somebody else say that once and uh somebody this guy that um he was big sports guy he was in the room with us and he was like so, do you like pre-tattoo JJ or post-tattoo JJ? Like, so is there what, a, was your, what
2: was your answer?
1: I I said, well, I like Duke well. JJ Reddick. <laughs> <laughs> don't even know who he plays for anymore.
2: Oh my gosh! Well, I'm pretty positive, unless he's gotten traded that I don't know about. The last time I saw, he was with the 76ers. Okay, all right. I
1: think I think that sounds that sounds accurate. It
2: sounds. <laughs> Sounds right. That's <laughs> a funny question, though, for say for someone to say, "Do you like pre-tattoo or post-tattoo?" Right. And tattoos can really change your perception on on people. And it is. Um, you know, most people our age do have one or or more tattoos, but you know, to commit to a whole sleeve or a body worth of them, I mean, that's some dedication right there. Yeah,
1: I mean, I've got I get I get a lot of flack for uh, the fact that I have Thomas Jefferson tattooed on my arm.
3: Do you? Oh yeah.
1: Unbelievably, um, you know, one of the fathers of our country. I mean, yeah, that. no, I, I just, am, can I see it? Can
2: we all yeah, see it? I mean, okay. There you go. Yeah. Wow, there there he is.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I got, yep, I, I, I went all out for, uh, went all out for TJ. And uh, so I get a lot of flack for that. They're like, that's on your body forever. Um, yep. I understand yeah. how tattoos work. Oddly enough, not my first. When I'm, was your first? Uh, my first one. I was 21 years old, and I walked into a tattoo, like just a random tattoo parlor, with the girl I was dating at the time, and I picked one from like their pre-made books, and uh, it, it, it is the one tattoo I wish I could get rid of.
2: Well, of course. I mean, if... <laughs> it, it sounds like it was not personal, like
1: at no, all. not even but a I little bit. I have
2: to say, I proudly have you. Be- I got my first tattoo at 19. Ooh, I know. Ooh. I was very naughty, very very naughty.
1: Yes, yeah. My but, par- my parents were very upset. What you what what did you get?
2: Um, so it was two years after American Idol. Singing was like so in my heart, but I was playing basketball for you know some really high strung crazy wired coaches where I felt like I had no liberties and freedoms to do anything. So the only control I had was what I could do with my body. And so, um, a couple times throughout my four years, like I dyed my hair jet black, like, and it was one of those semi-permanent It washes out in like 60 washes. But I just knew like, I needed to do something that someone could tell me that I, I couldn't do or could do whatever, um, and then I was like, you know what? Music is still in my heart. I'm getting a tattoo to prove it to myself how much <laughs> I love music. And I, I love it. It's I haven't you know gotten it lasered off by any means, um, but it's in a it's in a place where no one would see it. So that's all you need to know.
1: That's fair. That's fair. I'll accept that. Just yeah. like we'll just let imaginations run, and. Um, <laughs> I mean, mine's in the uh, like in the middle of the shoulder blades on the back, and oh, it's like—I nice. hate to say it—it's it, a chick tattoo. I got a girl's tattoo, is what I got. Um, it's a, it's the sun and the moon thing. Oh no! Oh yeah, that's what I got.
2: You know they have Groupons to get them lasered
1: off, right? Yeah, but I like to remember all of my mistakes. But uh, here you go. You're really, really learning. Great. <laughs> <Right. laughs> um. And then my second tattoo, many people—and I'm going to say that this is not true—but uh, many people refer to it as my tramp stamp because it's, it's in that silly. spot. It is. It's in that spot.
2: Is but, it like you have the moon and the sun, and then down there is it like hell or something? You know? No, like it's a
1: it, it's a it's a lake with a dolphin jumping over a rainbow.
2: It doesn't sound <laughs> hellish at all. It sounds actually like.
1: No, uh, it's a, uh, it's it's the number seventy nine, because of the Smashing Pumpkins, because nineteen seventy nine was my favorite song. There you go. So I've got the number wow. seventy nine tattooed in that area, but it's way too big to be a tramp stamp. Don't confuse it for that. Uh, <laughs> and then I've gotten like, then I took a really long break from tattoos. I was just like, yeah, I got you know, I've got some whatever, and then. 2004 happened, and in 2004, the greatest day in all of history happened, and the Red Sox broke their 86-year streak of not winning a World Series, so I ended up getting a Red Sox tattoo. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: I got the Red Sox (laughs) tattoo, and...
2: Being from Massachusetts, I, I respect the, the heck out of that. Yes. As, as you know. I
1: so. I, I do. I, I think that was one of the things we bonded over was the fact you were from Massachusetts and I, I love know,
2: oh. and you're like, I am obsessed with the Red Sox and I'm like, how obsessed? Like fever pitch obsessed? <laughs> yes. with Jimmy Fallon? Or like what are we talking?
1: I'm like two so- steps below fever pitch.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. So I already know you probably watched the World Series. I did. You, you probably went crazy. I
1: did. I did. I had
2: the total opposite because, as you're probably aware, New England sports have just been killing it over the past, like,
1: 10 years. Since about 2001, they've been pretty much the only sports team or then, the sports city. Yeah,
2: I, I feel like we are kind of, like, in our groove and we know that we're good. So for me, I honestly, like, and part of it is because I got rid of my cable. I only have internet not saying that that's an excuse, but like, I'm trying to spend my time in my days being a little bit more proactive and stuff that I need to get done. And so I haven't really been watching baseball, but I did watch, of course, the final game, like a total Fairweather fan. right? And um, when it happened, I was like, good for them i knew that was gonna happen <laughs> 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 like not one part of me like got up and cheered or anything and i was just like yay woohoo, go
1: socks like <laughs> i, want, it, I watched. i uh, watched i caught almost every game of the play like i didn't watch a lot of baseball like i was in alaska for part of it so when the red sox were playing it was like noon and i was at work so i would just kind of yeah. get the catch-ups and then when i got back home I was just working a bunch trying to you know, figure out what I was going to do next and then launching, this, uh, launching Muddy Waters Media and doing all of this. Uh, so I didn't have a lot of time. But then the playoffs started, and I was like, no, no. This is more important than anything else in the world right now. <laughs> and so I watched, okay. I watched the playoffs. I watched, every, uh, I missed one of the World Series games. Um, I, w- I missed one of the world series games and that's cause for one of the shows that I do not for this channel, uh, we had to do an appearance at this Halloween party. And so we were doing the appearance and I looked at one point we were down four nothing and I was like, okay, well I'm not missing a game. We're going to win. And then I looked later and we won the game and I went, Oh, <laughs>
3: So
2: did you stay up for like the 17?
1: The 18 inning game? I saw all 18 innings of that game. God
2: bless you. Wow. That's
1: amazing. I was up until 3.30 in the morning that day. I had to get up at like, I had to get up at 7.30 the next day (laughs) to go and uh, work on the campaign that I've been helping out with.
2: Listen, if you have a Red Sox tattoo, it's expected that you must make sacrifices in your life to support the ones that you love. (laughs) That's true. It's hundred kind
1: percent of true. Yeah. But yes, I uh the when we won it was so like when I was living in Nashville, I knew a bunch of Red Sox fans. And here I don't. So I was watching the game by yeah, myself. That's interesting. Because yeah. a lot of New Yorkers come down to Florida. Right? Yeah. You're based in Florida, so it's a lot of Yankees. A lot of yeah. Yan- a lot of Yankees fans here and a lot of uh Tampa fans here. Did uh, you
2: go to any of the the spring training games, though? Like, are oh, you yeah.
1: near the field that the Red Sox... I am. So the Red Sox play down in Fort Myer, which is about an hour 45 away. Um, but they play up in Clearwater against the Phillies. They play in Tampa against the Yankees, which are both, like, 30 to 45 minutes away, depending on traffic. They play in Bradenton. They play in Sarasota, which are, like, an hour away. They play in Port Charlotte, which is an hour and 15 minutes away. So I go to... a. So, yeah. I go, to, I a go to a lot of their... That's the best
2: way to see the Red Sox. It really the is. tickets are cheaper. The weather's going to be great every time you go out to a game.
1: And they always have a like game perfect. on my birthday.
2: They what? They
1: always have a game on my birthday.
2: Oh, they do?
1: Every, every year. There's That's a game awesome. on March 26th every year. And so I will drive to wherever it is to watch that game that day.
3: I love that. That's yeah. so great. That's my, that's my
1: birthday present to myself every year as I go to see the spring training game. That's great. But, yes, obviously, you know, huge, huge Red Sox. And, um, when, when they won, I'm just going to say it here. So when they won, I was like, man, I really wish I was with all of my friends back in Tennessee. And I think I made the decision that I'm going to move back. Um, this is going to upset so many people, by the way, because I'm announcing that here and not to them. Um so I think I'm pretty certain I'm going to move back to Tennessee, mainly just so I have people to watch Red Sox games with next year. And yeah. uh, But then I got, like, goosebumps all over my body, and I'm just like, all right, well, let's do this. So um, I've been looking for uh, more full-time work up there.
2: Yeah. I mean, Nashville is a great spot, as you know, and it's, like, growing exponentially. Exponentially. And the food scene is fantastic now. The The bar scene is you know, kind of the same. You can get all types of ways to to have a good time, whether it be live music or more like, you know, swanky cocktail bars. And there's other types of music besides country now. It's just a really cool spot. Um, I've been here almost nine years and it's just amazing how much time has flown by and how much this town has totally changed. Um, But I do a lot of my touring up in New England and up in the Massachusetts area. So It's funny, even though this is home and, you know, I'm Skyping here from my home, it's like, I'm never, (laughs) I'm never here. And so I end up finding myself, like, if I want to pay my bills and make money, then Nashville is not the place for me to be. Right. I have to, I have to leave this city because it's so saturated with incredible talent, first of all, but it's also... Filled with bars and restaurants who say, I don't need to pay you. I'll just get someone else to do it for free who wants the exposure because Nashville has that. You know, because they have, yeah, because there's so many people.
1: It. So many there's people so are many like, people I'm just going to go out there and become famous. It's like
2: yes.
1: stand up yes. comedians going to LA for a sitcom. It's
2: right. I mean, you could make comparisons across the board, but Nashville is filled with that. And so I'm like, all right, what are my main goals in life? My, my goal is to first of all, make money so I can pay my mortgage. Secondly, my goal is to be out performing in front of people. Like I don't consider, even though I write songs, I don't consider myself, um, you know, just a songwriter where that's my main goal in Nashville is to sit down for seven hours every day and write songs. Right. I don't think I have that much to say. (laughs) I mean, I do, but not that much. And so my goal has just been to get out as much as possible. So, like, over the years, I took a job singing the national anthem full time with the 76ers in Philadelphia. That was for two full seasons. They, like, flew me back and forth to Philadelphia for every game. It was the coolest job I've ever had in my whole life. And then, uh, like, performing up in New England and even some places in upstate New York and the Midwest. And so, yeah, that's kind of been, like, my my touring story. I've had some cool performances. But at the end of the day, as an independent musician, you got to find ways to pay the bills. So I'm, like, taking almost every gig. I'm a part-time travel agent. So I'm, like, sending people on vacations and getting commissions from that. And then... I'll make T-shirt quilts for people. Like, I'll do whatever it takes to like be a millennial full time.
1: <laughs> Does that make sense? You know what I'm talking about. Right? I do. I mean, so like, as you as you know, you you're you're one of like the nine people who've read my book. Um, <laughs> what? No,
2: I told people to read it. So I'm gonna have to put out another post because it is so good.
1: Thank you. It's called
2: Diary of an Addict, right? Uh,
1: Dear Jack, Diary of an Addict, yeah.
2: See? Okay. And I I didn't even know you were going to ask me about it. And I remember, (laughs) you guys need to grab Matt Wright's book. It is amazing. Such a good read.
1: (laughs) Yes. Like, as as you've known, uh, I've dedicated most of my adult life to trying to be a writer. Um, And that's kind of turned into me talking about politics. I'm not really sure how that happened, but that's what... That's the way that the world turns. Hey, out. it saves your fingers. It from does. This. It I know. It your and my, using your,
2: your vocal box instead.
1: My carpal tunnel is like put on hold for a little while. So it's that's great. That's amazing. Uh, for you. <laughs> um, but, you know, same thing. Like everything that I do is just I try to everything that I'm working on is a way to get where I can just write full time and get paid for it. Like that's that's the end goal for everything that I'm doing. Um but yeah so it's like you know I'd take whatever freelance jobs I can get that's why I'm helping out on these campaigns is just to get enough money so I can continue to write. Um now your first album came out in 06?
2: Yeah, it's um actually I'm I'm sitting in front of a wall of posters which Sounds really weird and cocky, but at the same time, these are some of my best memories of shows that I've had and they've made like eleven by seventeen posters. And so this one right here is a poster from my first record that I ever released called Forward. Okay. And um it is a two thousand and six pop, which means that it's like very Kelly Clarkson esque, if that makes sense. So you guys don't need to check it out because it's not my best work, but it's something I'm still proud of many, many years later. Because that's But it is amazing.
1: available on Apple Music for anybody who wants it, to check
2: it It sure is. If you want to see the journey and the transformation through music and tones and sounds alone, and even my, my voice has changed so much since I was 17, um, that's a good place to start. Yeah. And then quick, quickly move away and go to... <laughs> a record that I released by myself with like all of my own money and resources. And it's my self-titled country, uh, record and I sing country now. Um, but it's, it's just called Ayla Brown. It's me with a red, sitting in, in a red truck. And, um, that album went to like top 40 on the billboard Northeast charts and got some really cool things that happened with it. But, my favorite record is a patriotic record, which I'm sure you remember and you've heard. I know. Oh, i have I've definitely. I've,
1: I it is still in my car.
2: I love that. Um, it's called Heroes and Hometowns, and it's it's been the record that was so, I guess, surprising to me to see the journey that it took. So it all started um, years and years ago, probably in like 2011. When my dad was running for Senate in Massachusetts, my dad is a politician. He's now an ambassador to New Zealand. His name is Scott Brown, but he won the U.S. Senate seat in Massachusetts uh, back in 11.
1: Putting forth one of the greatest debate performances I've ever seen in my life back in 2011. God, that was listen, good.
2: Listen, my friend, I was there and my hands and palms were sweating so much. I started shaking because of my, I was cold. Like I was making myself break into a cold sweat. I was so nervous, but my dad killed it and he, I'm really proud of him. But my mom had this awesome idea and was like, Ayla, you've written all these awesome patriotic songs. You should record them and we'll like give them out at your dad's fundraisers. Doesn't that sound like a really cool idea? And I'm like, actually it sounds brilliant. Yeah. But we found out through like political law that that's not really how it works. <laughs> like I going to say
1: that I, I'm not sure how legal it is, but it's a great idea.
2: <laughs> so the rule is basically my dad would have to pay fair market value for that record to give out to people. Hmm. And just because I'm his daughter didn't really mean like, that the rules could be bent. And that's one thing I love about my dad. His character is unbending. He's just, he is who he is. And you know, he knows what's right. And he knows what's wrong. Um, but I was like, well, darn it. That's the worst idea ever. Okay. Dad, are you going to pay me then like $7 per CD or whatever the fair market value was? And he's like, no, I was <laughs> so like, Oh, um, But I still thought it was a really cool idea, and so it branched out from there, and I was like, all right, I don't really have the money to record this EP, but I have an idea. I'm going to reach out to some really big corporations and see if they wouldn't mind throwing some money to sponsor and partner with me on this record. And in return, I'm going to find a military nonprofit that will get the proceeds from the first round of printing of these CDs, And so the first group that I reached out to and the group that actually said yes was New Balance, which is based in Massachusetts. It's an awesome mass-based company who loves our troops and supports our heroes. And I found um, an email to a, a great guy named Matt, and he was like, you know what, let me run this idea up through the chain of the company and see if this is something that we can get behind because we love the fact that there's a military component to it. We love the fact that it's patriotic and, you know, it's non-controversial. This is what we stand for. And I'm like, okay, let me know what you think, you know, and I'm on like pins and needles hoping that this will happen. And if it didn't, I guess the worst case scenario is that I would have had to come out of pocket to pay for something like this, which I would have done. But it's always nice to know that like fifteen to $20,000 is taken care of by someone or something else as an independent artist, because every penny counts, Uh as you know, with your books and writing, like if you had an, an investor or a parent or a friend to just be like, Hey, I know shit is hard right now, but I want to help you out along the way. That kind of stuff goes so far in our lives. It's, it's crazy. But um, New Balance sponsored my, my record and, that one went to number one on Amazon MP3, 51 on the iTunes charts, uh, the country charts. And then I was able to perform Pride of America live on Fox and Friends, live on the Huckabee Show. The Grand Ole Opry saw me performing that song and invited me to sing for a Grand Ole Opry debut in Nashville.
1: I had a friend she- who was at that show. You did? I did. He sent, awesome. he sent me a picture and he goes, I think your friend's on stage. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, she said she was playing there tonight. Oh, yeah. She told me something like that. I was telling, like,
2: everybody – and like my parents flew in for it we rented a tour bus like i'm not i don't have a tour bus you know <laughs> a few times i've opened up for other artists who have their tour bus and these little girls will like come back and ask for my autograph and they're like so what tour bus is yours and i'm like you see that broken down rental car that's actually what i'm driving you know and so it's very humbling but if you look at my, my resume of musical performances and opportunities that I've had from singing at the Orange Bowl to the GOP debates this past election cycle to Monday Night Football, Patriots versus the That's Bill
1: right. York. I forgot you did that. I, 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 I watched that game just to see that.
2: Thank you. But it's so nuts to like look at my resume and be like, wow, she's got to be a huge star. You, but at the same time, it's like I'm – I'm not. Like, I'm taking every gig to pay the bills because this is the dream, right?
1: You, <laughs> so it's just you,
2: funny how life works. You're
1: leaving out that you sang the national anthem at, I think it was the national anthem, at the Olympics?
2: So, no, it wasn't the national anthem. I thought it was when they asked me if I wanted to sing at a couple of the hockey games. And I'm like, cool. So I started telling everyone I was singing the anthem. Right. But that's not how the Olympics works. You only get to hear the country's national anthem when they won a gold medal. Okay. While they're raising the flag up. Right, right, right. And I'm like, oh, okay, so if I'm not singing the anthem, what the heck are they bringing me over there to do? And so the embassy of South Korea flew me over to do a 15-minute set in between, like, the hockey periods for two games of, like, my songs and a couple covers that people – Would know. And it was the most incredible experience. One of them that I've had in my life, first time ever traveling to Asia, and especially South Korea, I I never in my life would have thought I would have gone to South Korea. But to like represent my country and know that I was the only American artist that they sent over to like, sing was truly humbling. And it made me think like, that everything and all the struggles, it's all worth it when you're singing your heart out in front of thousands of people throughout the world. It's just, it's really cool.
1: Oh ab- yeah, no, absolutely. When I saw that you were going to be singing at the Olympics, I think that you made a post saying that you were going to be at the singing the national anthem. And before he, like it was before you left. Cause I don't pay attention to the Olympics like ever, except for swimming. I pay attention to the swimming portion, but that's it. And, yeah. So the Winter Olympics, I'm just like, eh, yeah, okay, whatever. Hope- yeah, Winter Olympics, it's like
2: skiing and snowboarding right. and hockey and yeah.
1: I hope we get the golds. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't watch any of those sports. I, I, watched, I watched The Predators now that I've lived in Nashville and I don't care about anything else. Um, but I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I started watching the games and I was like waiting to see you sing the national anthem. Oh, and, then- <laughs> and then I messaged you because I was like, oh, she's not too busy to talk to me. And you said, no, I don't leave till tomorrow. <laughs> like, uh, oh,
2: Yeah, well, you know, <laughs>
1: it's like, obviously well, she's not too busy to talk to me. Oh, wow. She's, so she's still here in the States. Got it. Okay.
2: Well, if, if we have time in this, in this podcast, we should put up the video. I have a recap video of my time at the Olympics and all of the incredible things that I got to do to represent.
1: Our oh country. yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: and if not, maybe check it out on YouTube. If you just type in Ayla Brown and Olympics, there's a few videos. I tried to do
1: one. What, I, what I'll do is I'll just add it to the show notes of this as well. So that way they don't even have to go and search because people okay. won't. Cool. But you can still, still describe it. But I mean, I'll just add it to the show notes at the bottom.
2: Deal. Okay. So I hope you enjoyed the video. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That I So if you if you go on YouTube, you'll find, like, we tried to do a video every day from our journey over there because, you know, as a part-time travel agent and someone who does love to travel, and I'm, like, trying to be creative, too, because pictures, to me, don't last. Like, I have so many photo albums and photos on my phone that I don't do anything with. Right. But I noticed that if I took a video and I edited it, then... I was way more likely to watch that and share that and send it to everyone I know, because you got to see so many more things in a video than you do in photos.
1: Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say like, I've got so many photos that I'd never go through. Like I've got yeah. photos from Costa Rica in 2006 that like, I yeah. see when I accidentally hit the top of my photos thing on my iPhone and it scrolls all the way up. And I'm like, crap, yeah. now I got to go down yeah. 12 years. Um, but anytime I go on vacation, I usually pick up one of these and I, yeah, diary, notebook, you know, whatever. This one's, this one's actually for Muddy Waters of Freedom. It has all of our show notes in it, but, um, but I'll pick up one of those and then I'll like start a random novel while I'm out there that I'll never finish. And I know that going into it, but I always write it about whatever area I'm in. That's cool. So that way it's like later when I find that notebook, I'll be like, oh, where was this one from? I'll be like, oh, this one was from San Diego. Oh, okay. I remember g- hanging out at this bar that I was writing about in this portion. And like, that's my way of remembering things instead of like doing the videos. Cause the photos, they just, yeah. they're now on my phone and I'll never look at them again.
2: I tried to hold myself accountable. I was on a little hike with my dog who I'm going to show you right now. He's actually sleeping, but I don't care.
1: There he is. Oh. Very adorable dog. For anybody who's listening, uh, that is, I don't know what kind of dog that is. I'm not going to lie. He's a Pekingese. Pekingese. Tiny little Pekingese. Very Um, cute.
2: So I was on a hike with him, and it was up in New England, and the leaves had already been turning, and they were gorgeous, and they were just, like, falling all over me in this wooded area and i was like man i never write songs about imagery that i see ever and i was like what does this i'm going to i'm going to just write on my phone and come up with a little song and so on the hour hike or so i wrote this song that i just like made up on the spot and it's called fall in the fall and it's like i fall in the fall and it's funny because most times I don't like you at all, but I fall in the fall, in the fall. And it's all these like things about, <laughs> about how when fall comes around, I end up liking you again because you wear a football jersey. And <laughs> we go camping and all these fall things. But other than fall, I actually don't like you at all. I, I don't even think you're cute. And then in the bridge, it's like, you're not even cute. Do you have a job? Daylight savings comes and my mind is fog. Ba-da-da-da-da. But I'm so cold. So give me your sweater. and Let's hit the road. of oh fall in the fall. You know what I mean? So it's like all these. And it was so stupid. So, but
1: sadly, I, this sounds like you like talked to all of my exes and you were like, Oh, uh, what was the best thing about dating Matt? Oh, he's really great in the fall. Other than that, no, just other leave me Other up. than that,
2: not, not even not, really
1: interested. Yeah. But I don't
2: know where that came from, but it was kind of like my little diary of, of that moment too. So I kind of relate to, I don't do stories. I'm, I've tried writing before and it's just, I get bored. I don't have the like stamina to do long pieces. So either a poem or a song, like the three minutes, level I'm
1: good. Right. Yep. I, I remember years ago you said that you wanted me to write you a murder mystery. Yes. And um
3: No but you wrote something.
1: I yeah, I mean I've I've got a really good beginning and I've got a really good end. It's I don't know how to connect the two. And I've been stuck there. Like I open that probably once a month. And I'm like, okay, how do I get from here to here? I don't know. And so <laughs> Like,
2: there's got to be some sort of like, what is it? Is it an antagonist? There's got to be a bad guy.
1: Oh, yeah. No, there's a bad guy. There's definitely a bad guy in it. Geez. Um, I don't know how to help you on yeah, that one. Uh, but, yeah, so like I, I, I see it all the time because it's, it's one of the first ones that comes up because it's Ayla's story. So it's an A. So so. Brilliant. I always see it and I'm like, oh, I need to work on that. And then I go and I start working on it and I'm like, I I just don't know how to connect these two portions. And I don't want to change the end because I really like it.
2: Well, maybe our podcast conversation will reignite that fire to find whatever is going on in the middle of that story and let us all know if you finish it.
1: Oh, yeah. And you will be the first one to know when I'm done with that one because I will immediately send it to you. Good, Uh, good, good. You were out touring with Concerned Veterans for America. For, yes. Do you still do you still do that? I wasn't hundred percent sure on that. No, um, they are no longer. Um,
2: they're no longer a, a touring group. Unfortunately, I, I wish they were. We. I really enjoyed my time with them, um, singing for veterans and military families and people who care deeply about our country and. Yeah, that was a two-year yeah. uh, constant touring opportunity that was really good to me and paid the bills and I was able to sing my own songs and start off the set with the national anthem and yeah, it was, it was a great time.
1: I remember you, you did a show here in Tampa. Yes. And uh, I came out to visit and I am like 80% certain that that was like three days before I quit drinking. So you were one of the last people I've had a drink with. I was
2: cuz I do remember afterwards we went out and had some drinks.
1: Yeah, some. Some.
2: Well, I was some for me. I'm not sure how many for you, but yeah. yeah was, so you're so you're saying that was 3 days before it happened. That was that th- you quit.
1: That, Yeah, that was 3 days before I stopped drinking. I I look at the picture from that night and I'm like, wow, I don't even look like me. It's crazy. I told
2: you when you asked me to be on my podcast, um, I mean on your podcast yesterday, I told you that I went 100 days sober. Right. Um, I was in New Zealand actually visiting my mom and dad and my sister and my boyfriend, we all went at the same time. And my sister is a lover of wine and she just, that's her drink like many women out there. But (laughs) wine is really well-known in New Zealand, especially white wine. And so we did all these tours, and everywhere we went, it's like, of course I'll have some wine. Anyway, one night we went out, and I ended up getting so drunk that I, like, threw up that night. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm 29 years old. I shouldn't be having this kind of a night, right? And uh, the next day I woke up, and I'm like, "I'm, I'm good, I think. And I went six days while I was in New Zealand with not having a drink. And then on my seventh day, I had one glass of wine, and I was like, I don't see the point. Here's the thing. I'm in the healthiest place in the whole world, New Zealand, if you've ever been there. Um, It is, like, incredible and healthy and organic and whatever. And I was like, why aren't I treating myself and my body that way? And so I was like, I'm going to just kind of chill out for a bit. And it turned into like 30 days. And I'm like, I think I'm going to keep going. And then it turned into 50. And then I was like, at 60 days, I'm going to give myself a goal of 100 days with no booze. And I'm going to tell you what, the first four days were the hardest. Like anything that you try and get out of your life, like I've tried to take out... Sugar, or whatever. <laughs> I, I,
1: I was like, wow, I, I don't know what else she would possibly have. Like, I've known her for a while, she doesn't have a drug problem. I 100% no, I know I that, a problem, but I love, but yeah, like, sugar that makes sense.
2: Stuff. And to get on any sort of disciplined regimen of eating, it like I have found in my personal life that. <laughs> The first four days are like the worst. After that, oh, okay, I can do this. But I noticed, and I don't know if you are like this as well, but when you stop drinking and you take that thing out, and this is what happened to me, I found other vices. Like I couldn't stop eating chocolate. That was my thing. Like I, I'm i like, oh, I'm not drinking, but I'm going to eat this.
1: Yeah.
2: And like for whatever reason, my brain rationalized it. Well, there's I, also a
1: reason for that. Okay, tell me what it is. So alcohol, when it breaks down in your system, it turns into sugar. So when you no longer have the alcohol, when, like when you're drinking a lot of alcohol, lots of, lots of people who drink a lot of alcohol, like me, for instance, when I was in the midst of my alcoholism, um, I was, I never, I, no sweets whatsoever. I never craved it. The moment I quit drinking, I eat so much sugar now. And do be- you all the time? I eat so much sugar, and it's because my body craves still craves it from back then. Wow! So, like, you're you don't really notice it that you're just like, oh yeah, I'm going to have this chocolate. It's because your body's actually craving the sugar that the alcohol turned into.
2: That's so scary. <laughs> Could you imagine if like we didn't have the sweets and the alcohol? What would we do? Would oh we, man, I
1: like, die. <laughs> I, somebody said you, you eat way too many sweets, you know, you're going to get diabetes. And I was like, well, I'm not going to die from alcohol. And, uh,
3: yeah. Well, yeah. There
1: you go. Yeah. I mean, that was, that's kind of my response to anything. Like when people are, like, cause when I, cause when I quit drinking, I started, I started vaping cause I needed a habit and then I started yeah. eating a lot of sweets and then I started drinking a lot of this stuff kava. Um, and people are like, you're just trading. And I'm like, right. But everything is much healthier than anything I was doing beforehand.
2: Yeah. I guess in the scheme of life, you know, your body and what it can tolerate. Right. But that's a great point that you mentioned about the alcohol and the sugars because you don't really realize how much sugar alcohol has in it and what your body does to break it down. And now that's making me really frustrated that, like, <laughs> I even gave in to the chocolate. Like, I feel like I was defeated by chocolate, you know?
1: No, <laughs> I was. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. But at the same time, it's like right now, there is not a day that goes by that I don't have ice cream in my house. Because late at night, my body's like, where's my sugar? And wow. so I eat, I'll eat ice cream late at night, often. Yeah. It's just that I've started craving it, and so now I eat it. And it's like all right I, I don't care because at least I remember the nights, yeah, as opposed to before, so so yeah, you know the one thing I love
2: about podcasts is like i'm I i do not know where we started, and I don't know where we're going to end with our conversation, but no, like everything in the middle is so random yeah. and. Um, it really is truly a conversation and I hope your viewers and listeners are loving the randomness of this and they probably tune in to you to like hear crazy stuff and political opinions and, you know, it's I kind of have those too, but I'm really not. I'm like a musician, so I appreciate you having me on to talk oh, about yeah. music, and you know, tattoos,
1: know Yeah, whatever. <laughs>
2: All the stuff musicians have to have in their lives.
1: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Are you really a musician if you haven't had a substance abuse problem? Uh, <laughs>
2: I have a chocolate abuse problem. I
3: guess sugar is
1: my enemy. <laughs> I so when I was living when I was li- I remember when I was living in Nashville. I was working at uh, Mafiosas on 12th South, yep. and uh, there was a guy that worked there who was a musician, actor, model, whatever, and uh, I was going like he could see. He knew I was a writer because everybody knew that. Uh, he knew that I was a writer, and that was what my goal was. And he obviously knew that I had an alcohol problem because I would drink before my shift, during my shift, after my shift. Like, that was just what I did. And uh, one day I walked in, and I was really upset. And he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. He was like, no, man, something's wrong. And then, the IRS just took all of my money out of my bank account. And he just, yeah, no, the, I hadn't paid my taxes from, like, years before. And I owed them a lot of money. So they just emptied my bank account like three days before rent was due. And so like I was stressed. I didn't know what I was going to do. Like I had three days to make rent and still continue to drink heavily and um, yeah. and pay yeah. for gas and other bills. And I was like trying to figure out how to do it. And he was like, he just sat there for a really long time. You're going to make a really great writer one day. <laughs> it's like, Wow.
2: Because your life is just, like, so left up. Yeah. I was like, wow. Or at least that moment in your life. Yeah. Thanks, Uni. In in a weird way, it's like, as artists, they say that artists have to pull from something really dark and deep, and I'm really blessed that I haven't had something that's been life-altering or or very dark in in my life, but I've had pain and heartbreak, like, in relationships and, and in my own life and career where... I mean, I can pull from that stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah, it's...
1: I mean, and not everybody's, like... A lot of people would look at my life and be like, what have you really had to go through? You know, like, I'm a white male. Um, How hard has your struggle been? Uh, But, you know, like, I've struggled with addiction my entire life. Uh, We... There was a time period in my life in which uh, we had no money. We were very, you know, we were very broke. We didn't know if we were going to have a house the next day. We didn't know if we were coming home to electricity, that kind of stuff. Um, So, like, I've definitely struggled. And the struggle with addiction makes makes it where you, in relationships, you actually get addicted to the person. So, when you break up with the person, you end up having to deal with what essentially are withdrawals from that person. So, it's like each person has their own darkness in their own way. You may, like, people look at me and they're like, oh, what kind of struggles can you have? You have a house. You don't have a roommate. You seemingly never work, which is true. And <laughs> you seemingly never work. And, right. So how hard has it really been for you? But, you know, nobody can look at any one person and say, that person hasn't had struggles. That person hasn't had, you know, some sort of, dark, like, darkness in their life. And whether it is addiction or whether it is um, relationships, broken hearts, you know, losing a family member, whatever. You can't judge one person's darkness against another's and say that they aren't equal because to them it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: So if if anybody's ever like, oh, you had a blessed life, which you've had an amazing life. (laughs) mainly because there's
2: there's blessings in everyone's life though exactly if you can see the struggles and the darknesses then you should be able to see the blessings and the things that are unexpected and joyous in your life too because not every day is is awful there's amazing things that happen in everyone's life that even if they're little like you know oh my gosh when every time i got an a growing up which was really hard for me to do i'm not the brightest when it comes to like School. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty street smart, but I'm not book smart. And, uh, like, little victories like getting an A were life-changing for me growing up. Like, that was my thing. Um, but, yeah, heartbreaks and oh. getting hurt and all that stuff, too, like, brings you right back down to reality. And oh, yeah. It's the beauty of life. It's, it's all even, hopefully, in your life. And I think now with you being sober, too, it's a – you're – you're everything that you are hoping to be, and you have a pod. You have a multiple podcasts. I do. And you're doing. You're still writing, and I you're am. paying your bills. And look at us. Look at us, adulting. I
1: know right we're, now. we we're adulting so well right now. We uh, are. I'm so proud. So, uh, your last single that I know of, anyway, came out in 17.
2: Uh, Hang on, I gotta what?
1: pull my notes back up.
2: Which one? Take Your Name?
1: Uh, label.
2: Oh, Label, yeah. yeah. It was Take Your Name First, then Label. Yeah, I released Label in 2017, just digitally. Um, iTunes, Spotify, all that.
1: We, we were using that as a, one of our intros on this show before YouTube told us we couldn't anymore. Uh, That's
2: so weird. I don't know why it does that, because it shouldn't do that.
1: Uh, yeah, they're sorry. like, Yeah, it's fine. They're hey. like, do you have permission from this artist? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and they said it still took it off it still that's... took it off yeah they said you either have to take it take it off or we will remove it from the video and that would have meant there would have been like three minutes of silence so yeah, i was just like right yeah. so i just removed that section of the video
3: that's okay yeah. i appreciate it but
1: everyone i think you're still in the show out. notes for it though i think music for <laughs> music Good. by ayla brown
2: yeah um,
1: i released i released label
2: um And it was a a big lesson for me because it was just one song. It was kind of the first time I had just released two singles, Take Your Name and Label, back-to-back. And I was blown away at how expensive that process is as opposed to doing a physical album. Yeah. I spent $13,000 just on label to pay for radio, to pay for um, a PR little campaign, to put it up online, to do the photo shoot. I mean, I was so blown away. I still look back at it and I'm like, what, how, why? But like things, things add up in life, you know, that you don't expect and you can put together a budget and sometimes unfortunately it's, you're unable to stick with it. But um, I love the song. And I haven't released anything since because I'm still like, you know, right. feeling, feeling the pain of, of putting that money down.
1: No, certain. I get it. But are, are you working on anything right now? Do you have any tours coming up? Do you have anything that's...
2: Yeah, so my boyfriend, Rob, his last name is Bellamy, Rob Bellamy and I, we met writing songs in Nashville. And we've been really excited because we we're both from Mass, first of all, I'll just put that out there. Um, but we He's do a already
1: our, a winner in my book.
2: I know, but we do a lot of our shows up there and, and if it's my show, I'll have him on my set and introduce him to my fans and, and vice versa. And we'll do our songs that we've written together and people have loved them so much. They're like, you have to release an album. So we just got back from Portland, Oregon and we recorded six songs and I don't know when we're going to release it. Probably in 2019 sometime. Okay. Uh, but we're, I was about to say we're wicked excited, which we are. We're wicked excited for it. And we don't even know what it's going to be called or anything like that. But it's finally something that we can sell at our shows and tell people about and have them buy it.
1: I can't believe you just said wicked excited. I said wicked excited. Wicked excited. It's going to be wicked pissa, brah. It is. It's going to be wicked pissa.
2: Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm up to musically at the moment. In the winter, it's it's a lot slower than the right. summertime for most musicians. I mean, unless we lived in a place like Florida where it's constant beautiful weather all year round, it's very weather dependent on, on Nashville and Massachusetts. So um, I have a few shows, but other than that, I'm kind of like gearing up and getting ready for whatever 2019 brings me. And I hope it's a lot of weird surprises that I'm not expecting and... Because every year at New Year's Eve, I'm like, am I going to give it up this year? Am I going to get a real job? Like, And then something random happens in my life where I'm like, nope, I guess I'm going to still do this thing. And so we'll see what 2019 brings this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, every every year I'm like, I'm going to get a real job this year. And then I find something else to work on. That I'm like, no, I'm going to work on this instead because I believe in myself. Yeah,
2: that, hey, it's special when you believe in yourself, and it's, it's very true.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's how this show got started, I took a, I took a real job, and I hated it, and I was like, no, I'm gonna go back, and I'm actually gonna bet on me. Yeah,
2: bet on you, I like that, that's probably
1: my next song title. Yeah, steal it, I I just want, I just want the credit, I know we were gonna talk about, uh, the Music Modernization modernization Act, but (laughs) we're, we're already at an hour, so, uh, Okay. Congrats! To all, I mean, it, it really doesn't matter, but I mean, congrats to all the songwriters out there for the Music Modernization Act. And if you're a songwriter, make sure that when you fill in your stuff on uh, Spotify or Apple Music or however you put that out, I don't know, uh, fill in all your information so you get paid. Uh, yeah. That's essentially – there is going to be a much more discussion on it, but essentially it breaks down to just put in your information so that way they'll pay you. Uh.
2: And at the end of the day, for – for the Senate and Congress and pretty much all of Washington to come together on one bill is like,
1: it was unanimous in the house.
2: I know. I have like never heard of that. That was
1: insane.
2: Yeah. So it, it just shows that like we're going as songwriters and publishers. It's a very archaic law that was passed many, many years ago. And now it will change the script a little bit and get, people paid at least a little bit more fairly. And so what it means for independent musicians like myself, only time will tell. But I do know that, um, you know, those who have like a million streams on Spotify who aren't getting paid fairly for that will finally get paid because they have some big dogs in their corner. For me with my 14,000 spins on label, I don't know what that will mean for me. (laughs) Maybe it means I'll make like, Fourteen thousand dollars? Probably not, though. I don't know.
1: So I'm I mean, gonna I guess it's gonna be closer to fourteen hundred. But you know what? Hopefully. <laughs>
2: hey, I know. Right now I'm getting like point zero 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 one percent or something per spin, and so I'll get my check from CD Baby, and it'll say I'll go through and it'll say my Spotify cents that I made. And I'm like, great! I made six cents from Spotify. Woo-hoo. Nice.
1: I remember. You know, I uh. When I first started learning about uh, Spotify and Apple Music, I asked Ben Danaher, who I'm also advertising, because this is an all-Nashville show today, Um, uh, I asked him, I was like, how much money do you get whenever I play your album on Spotify? And he (laughs) said, like, "Like nothing. Yeah, like,
2: literally nothing. But I did hear of this band who created a record and it was silence. Yeah.
1: It was 30 seconds of silence and it was 14, 14 14 uh,
2: songs. And they just asked their fans to put it on repeat all night. Yeah. And that's how they
1: paid for their tour.
2: Yeah. And I think that that is like what independent artists are known for is thinking totally outside the box and how can we afford to do what we love? And it's stuff like that. Like, If you don't think I haven't put my songs on, on repeat, on silent all night, you're crazy. I've
1: totally done that, and I don't know if it helps. I really have no freaking clue. That's so funny. I never even thought about doing that. Maybe if your listeners do it, you never know. I could pay
2: for my next tour or my next album, so,
1: yeah. Yeah, so go find Ayla Brown on Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music or iTunes. Anything, anything, any music. Any music, And uh, go put it on, just put it on mute and play it all night long. Yeah. Uh, so that way she can pay for her next tour. Perfect. Love it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, website, Facebook, anything else you want to pitch?
2: Yeah, if you don't mind, um, go to com. It has... Everything you need to know for more information about me from videos to bio, I just released a blog uh, about random stuff that you would not find on my bio or any other pages. It's some home renovation stuff I've done, a a journey of my tiny home that I bought and re-renovated. You live uh, in a tiny home? I don't live in one, but I bought one and you're going to have to go to my blog to see how tiny it really is. It's scary. Um, and so yeah you can check that out and then go to Instagram or Facebook or Twitter whatever you do to follow people and just search for my name you'll find me send me a message That's and true. tell me that you heard me on, on this show I'd love that
1: yeah so uh, yeah, find her on all, all of the social medias because she's on all of them I know I follow her on all of them um, uh, follow her on the Facebook follow her on the Twitter follow her on the uh, old Instagram I don't think she's on Tinder so don't follow her there <laughs> Um,
2: I, I never have been,
1: proudly Lucky you um, <laughs> um, But yeah, thank you so much for coming on And um, if whenever I make it back to Nashville, which is now the new goal um, I, We're definitely going to have to I think the last week I was in Nashville, I hung out with you the most And we'd only known each other like six, eight months at that point I
2: know, yeah, come back to Nashville anytime
1: Yeah But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Everybody else, remember, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow follow her first, then follow us, because you're probably already following us. And then uh, muddiedwatersoffreedom.com. On Tuesday, we have the Election Day special. On Wednesday, Spike has an amazing debate going on between two anarchist socialists and two anarcho-capitalists. So it's going to be a great debate. Make sure you tune in to watch that. And then on Thursday, I am pretty certain that uh, former congressional candidate Rebecca Bidlack will be on my show. So tune in for that. We're going to be talking about the election. Thank you all so much. Get back to writing because that is the best way that we can make a difference.